Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Jazz would not be what it is today without the contributions of the culture in Chicago. From the 19-teens and 20s, when musicians moved here from the South and developed their own Chicago style, to the 60s and the 70s, when musicians jammed together in jazz in the alley sessions on the South Side. And born out of old traditions like blues and swing, jazz is most definitely still jazzing. This music is also, it's a mirror. It reflects where we are in the times. That's always what it's been. And I think the more people really look at it, and I've been about the movement of really showing people, my generation, that this is still a valid conversation for us. It's the same origins as hip-hop. It's the same origins as the blues. It's the same origins as any other great black art form that has been created. That's Isaiah Collier, born in Chicago and based here in Chicago and in New York. He's a saxophonist and composer, and he's also a member and creator of the jazz quartet, The Chosen Few. This weekend, they're performing live during Memoirs of Jazz in the Alley. It's an event put on by Kia Smith, the founder and executive artistic director of the South Chicago Dance Theater. They're also performing this weekend. And Kia is the one who conceived of this multimedia event. She says Memoirs of Jazz in the Alley memorializes and celebrates what became a jazz movement on the south side of Chicago. Something that's really timely as summer approaches and areas of Bronzeville are being designated as historical sites. And this is personal for Kia. Her father was the late celebrated saxophonist Jimmy Ellis, one of the original founders of Jazz in the Alley. I actually found out about Jazz in the Alley because of a gallery of historic photos I found on Google Arts and Culture that my dad actually took. I also found that gallery. Yes. And I was like, he was credited in all those photos. I'm yeah. like, did he really take all he, Yeah, he was a, my dad was also a photographer and like visual artist as well. Wow. Um, not, I mean, more, um, I say for passion and for fun, not professionally like he was with music. But um, I found those photos and it really, really inspired me. And that's actually how I learned about Jazz in the Alley and then asked him about it. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I didn't even know. No, he never even told me about it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I noticed somewhere you said um, you had already founded South Chicago Dance Theater before you realized that what you're doing with dance was so similar to what he did. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, he he gave me, I don't know, my dad gave me this book, uh, Bridges of Memory, maybe like 15, 20 years ago now that he, that Timuel Black wrote, where he talked about um all kinds of people who were just a part of the fabric and the history of the city's south side, artists, uh, politicians, teachers, like just all kinds of people. And my dad has a chapter in that book. Um, and as I was, I didn't start to even look at that book until I was in grad school a few years ago. And so wow. um, when I opened up and started reading the book, I found out about Jazz in the Alley, which is what prompted me to like ask him about it. Um, and, and I found out about just how he was like, he just talked about how much he cared about the community and music 
And I also knew just from like being a kid, he would always like leave the country or leave town and be playing all these different gigs. So I just thought he was like like a touring jazz musician. But then I found out from reading how much he cared about community Mm -hmm. um, and started reading other places like in the Tribune where he would talk about like the importance of like being a teacher and, and in community and that. Um, struck me because I had never asked him or talked to him about those things, but I had started my company, South Chicago Dance Theater, and have always had this mission and vision of being like a world-class repertory dance company, but that's really based in community, like right Mm. where I grew up. Just being in the midst of creativity, like growing up around creativity, just kind of gave me the license to pursue my own path and not look for like someone else's path to emulate, but just to mm. figure out what I want to do and just to do it. Yeah. Um, Isaiah, you also grew up in a musical family, a very artistic family. Can you talk about coming of age as a jazz musician in a city where the legacy of jazz is deep? How did that affect you, just being in a city like this? It's funny. I didn't realize how big the city was to what its, its contributions were. Mm. Um, when I first started playing on the scene, all the great masters were basically uh, passing. I first picked wow. up the saxophone. Fred Anderson passes. I get on the jazz scene. Von Freeman passes. These are all huge names that I didn't even know <laughs> that will come back full circle. Yeah. Um, and seeing how, it, like I said, just connects to all these other different people and then the influences that would break up out of them. Um, so then that's when my scope of talking about this music changed. Mm-hmm. I stopped being about, oh, I love John Coach and I love this, but did you know if he didn't come here, certain things wouldn't have been born from that? Wow. And the funny secret was, you know, New York is the stage, but Chicago is the gym. Mm. Interesting. I like that. Say more about that. Well, I mean, any great... Artists, it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter artists. We could talk anything. It could be politics. It can be social justice. It could be uh, business. They've all come here to gain that extra insight. Things with the civil rights movement didn't change until Dr. King came here. You didn't get a brick thrown anywhere else. You got to throw here first. <laughs> wow. You know, his realization of how bad segregation was, was um, conceptualized and realized here. Um, not only that, people like Muhammad Ali living here. Louis Armstrong, um, respectfully, I would say he was he was removed of some of his minstrelsy when he made the move here. Um, and being at the time, being under the protection of people like Al Capone and all these different things. Um, I remember I was working on a film one time, and I was given the fortunate insight to learn about uh, Louis Armstrong had a trumpet stolen here. Capone said, next day at 9 a.m., I want that trumpet back here. Well, next day at 9 a.m., <laughs> <laughs> needless to say. Um, and so those different things and how it changed his musical approach. Yeah. Um, anybody that spent time here. Um, and I think the, the, just the energy of the city is just to be transparent. You can't, you can't fake it here. Mm-hmm. People know. Um, people here work for everything that they, that they want. Um, and yes, you can make connections. Yes, you can talk to stuff. But if your work does not represent what you're about, you can only go so far. And that's the main thing I like about this city. It holds you accountable. Mother used to always tell me, if you can get a Chicago audience to clap for you, you'll be fine everywhere else in the world. <laughs> Kia, I know Memoirs of Jasmine Alley um, 
is definitely bringing forth some of those, some of that historical context. Um, can you just take a moment right now and introduce the event? Tell me what it is. Um, what's going to happen? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so Memoirs of Jazz in the Alley is a 75 minute evening-length production. It's South Chicago Dance Theater's first fully produced evening-length work. Um, there's 20 dancers that will be on stage, nine musicians um, for Isaiah Collier and the Chosen Few, and an original scenic and projection design by Rashawn Devontae Johnson. And the show actually features, I call it kind of a work of historical fiction, because while it is kind of based in and inspired by Jazz in the Alley, it features... Um, Two prominent characters that I imagine from the photos I found on the Google Arts and Culture. There's a lady in red who we follow from beginning to end, and we just follow her. It's her trajectory and her story that root us in the narrative of the piece. Wow. And then the Sandman, who was an actual person who was prominent in Jazz in the Alley. The Sandman was someone who um, people described him as someone that literally would walk around the neighborhood cleaning up the neighborhood. Like that was kind of what he did. He also was described as kind of a peculiar personality, Mm -hmm. um, a a performer in his own right, and just this ever-present fixture um, around that neighborhood. And so I have a character who um, is the, who's playing the Sandman and who serves as like the narrator for the work. And then the only character that actually addresses the audience, not with sound, but with movement is actually speaking to the audience. Mm-hmm. And everyone else in the alley is kind of in their own world. And so there's like this duality between everyone in the alley. It's big, it's exciting. And then this underlying narrative of um, some of the challenges of this lady in red character. That is so exciting. <laughs> um, I read that you also developed a new dance opera art form um, to be a part of this event. What what would that look like? So that's a good question. So I don't know if you're familiar with Chicago Dance Makers Forum, no. but they are an organization that funds um, grants. They're actually the only organization that gives grants to individual artists of this specific size. So um choreographers, you're supposed to be in like the mid-career, which I mean, what does that really mean? But like mid-career level of your your path. Um, and they give you between a twenty dollars and $25,000 grant to do research for a year for a new work. And so when I wrote my proposal for CDF, I said, you know, I want to start making dance theater. I want to kind of codify my own form of dance theater that fuses live sound, original uh, choreography and original projection and scenic design where it's kind of like one thing where like the dance is not the most important the music is not the most important the design is not the most important like it's all they all Mm -hmm. need each other to to work um and so i have been calling it like over time i want to develop this kind of way of working called like making a dance opera and i think that's because i've worked in opera a lot like as an individual artist and and i just enjoy the way all the pieces come together yeah yeah um can you talk more about the projections? I wish Devonte was here to do that because <laughs> I, um, I've seen some of his sketches of what he's going to be doing. What I can say is it's not going to be um, like he will not be projecting photos of Jazz in the Alley or photos of the South Side per se. It's going to be much more abstract and using the okay. projections as a means of exploring the emotion that the characters are experiencing. Oh. So he may have like maybe you'll see like some form of like bricks where it looks like, oh, maybe that's a building, but it's so abstract that you really can't tell. Um, and I really wanted that. I didn't I didn't want anything about the show to feel 
like people need to be able to sit and think a little bit. I don't want to tell you exactly every moment what's going on. And so I asked him if he would make the projections more abstract um, to give people something to think about. Isaiah, throughout this episode, we have been hearing um, a piece that is going to be included in your performance with um, the chosen few during the event. Tell me a little bit about that piece. The name of the composition is entitled Dorian's. Um, I wrote this piece about what, um, I'm going to say two or three years ago. Um, upon my, my, one of my initial returns from Chicago, um, I used to be in school on the West Coast. I used to attend the um, Dave Brubeck Institute. Um, and when I came back to Chicago, it was a really weird time. Hmm. Um, surprisingly, I had a hard time getting work. <laughs> um, it'd be now, like that sometimes when you when you the it was like come on come back home indie artist thing it's yeah. like, come back home we got you <laughs> okay I'm back crickets <laughs> yeah and you know and at that time you know I just had a lot of time to reflect um, and then I remember a, a, a guy that I met his name was Joe Burrow um, he hit me up he said hey I've checked out your work da 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 we're creating this new venue over in Wicker Park we would love for you to come check it out you know and just uh, really you know, be a part of creating this new energy. Um, and I remember I went there. I remember it was just a hole in the wall before all the stuff was fully constructed. And then he basically was like, this is your home. You know, do what you want here. And that was the first uh, venue I've ever played at in the city that basically gave me a full-on creative license to just go for it. Mm. Um, and there, I, I remember one night, we, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And I don't know. I just heard the theme in my head. I'm a big fan of spontaneous composition, which is a really hard thing to do because sometimes as composers, we like to isolate everything. Oh, it has to voice lead into this. It has to connect to this to make the form. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but at that time, it was like the music was like, that was just that, just like the smell of the room, the energy. Yeah. People people wanted to listen. So what 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 was this thing? And then it kind of became like a theme song for a quick minute. Um, but to me, it just it felt uh, energizing. It felt refreshing. It was just like, okay, we're in tune now. Yeah. You know, and so to be able to find that, because, you know, my biggest fear is feeling like I'm biting off somebody's stuff too much, which is hard to not do, right? We're using the same 12 notes. <laughs> <laughs> Still like an artist, though, yeah. as they say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so then how are, we di- how are we discerning my own voice from my inspiration's voice? And at that time, that, that, that song just came so clear. There was like, yeah, nobody else got this. This mm. is cool. <laughs> and so when you know you made something that's genuinely of its own thing, you know, um, it's just it was just a fulfilling uh, thing. And every time we play it, I, I pay attention to the reaction of even the musicians. They don't even realize it. We're just into a thing. Yeah. You know, um, so and then the name of the space was named after a brother named Dorian. So I never knew him, but I read his story. And so then connecting with his passing, okay. you know, immortalizing him yes. in a sense, but also immortalizing the thing that would give me the um, the confidence um, and, and rooted me in pursuing my path even more. Hmm. Wow. So it's it's got a lot of meaning, many offerings, you know. this event being one of them. Um, there is a healing component to this event. Let's start with you, Kia. Why do you think it's important to add healing as a component to this event? Or 
Is it just inherently there? I mean, talk about it. You know, I I didn't start dancing until I was 16. Like, I started very late. Well, that's late for, for a dance. Um, and so I didn't have, you know, like a lineage or upbringing of, like, I studied this style. I know this style, you know, whatever. Um, but I know as I got into the field, I just kind of saw all the different lineages in, in, in dance and all the different big names and who gets credit for this and who is who's that. Um, and growing up in the jazz music scene, I just always thought, oh, like jazz is black. Like that's what it is. Um, but then the more I got out in the dance world, I was like, oh, wait, what is jazz? <laughs> I'm confused. I don't know what this is. Um, and so I think for me, in in that in that uh, respect, it's almost like kind of like a bringing back kind of what Isaiah was saying of like, this is a new form. Mm. You know, I think sometimes people are so thirsty to codify and say, this is this and these five steps are this and now it's jazz. And it's like, well, is it? I don't know. Yeah. Like I, what, the things I've read and heard about jazz is an ever changing, ever growing form. It's not one thing. And so for me, I, I wanted to, in a sense, like, put in, in my own small way, you know, in, in this in this moment, like kind of put jazz back in our hands of like, mm. this is something that we started, that we made, that we also have license and ownership to say, you know, kind of what it is. Um, and so I think that with the choreography, I definitely am referencing some social dances where you can say, oh, that's, yeah, I've seen that, that's jazz. But also I think the other choreography that I created, while maybe someone that's like a jazz scholar might not say, oh, that's not, they're not doing that movement. But to me, it's jazz. So I think yeah. in that sense, that's, one avenue that I could think of. And when you say put it back in our hands, who was the hour? Just like like black choreographers and like black voices to be able to like really have ownership over mm-hmm. like, I mean, I'm one person, <laughs> but like, you know, in, in my own way, I have ownership over saying like what, what jazz is to me. Yeah. Isaiah, how would you talk about healing and jazz? I would say... Um, Reclamation, in a sense, right? Um, sometimes when we when we listen to this music, um, it serves as a form of escapism for us um, to relieve us from the immediate um, anxieties of the world. Um, but not only can it relieve us from that, it can also reinvigorate us at the same time. Those are two different words for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so how are we finding a way to feed our the starving souls? And that's really what this music <laughs> is that, that the crush it was, right? In the middle of adversity, in the middle of the worst times, this music has been there. Always in the shadows. You can name the pandemic from 100 years ago. <laughs> that's when the swing era was just coming together. Mm. And yet, you know, they're going through the same, same circumstances we're going through. Everybody has a mask mandate. People got a social distance. They can't go out. And God knows it was worse because they didn't have cell phones. So <laughs> Netflix, what? <laughs> and yet, in spite of that, the Duke Ellingtons, the the Louis Armstrongs, the Benny Goodmans, the, all, all these people are still coming with this thing to remind us that we can get through this. We can realign. We can also have some new perspective going on. And not only do we have new perspective, we also have gratitude. You know, you don't appreciate your health until you're sick. 
Um, and just like that, this type of sickness we're speaking about is not always necessarily a physical illness neither. Um, I think we are all need to heal as also as a country, but most specifically, this city needs to heal. It's been through so much pain and strife since the founding of the place, Hmm. you know? And so if we can move on that type of, if we can realign ourselves on this geographical level first, it's only going to spread, probably spread bigger than the first couple of Chicago fires, (laughs) Hmm. you know, but it's 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 a definitely it's a huge reset and this type of production doesn't just speak to one generation that's what makes it so great um cuz everybody at some point has heard this music whether they realize it or not it's in everybody's dna you can't hear music in america and not heard jazz before mm. it's either you're going to hear it in the in its typical or you hear it in its versions of a Quincy Jones and his involvement mm-hmm. through different productions. But it comes back into everybody's cultural DNA here. And uh, just being able to realize you can get better. It's okay to get better. Sometimes it's not easy because we get too caught up in the optics of, well, what are people going to think if I listen to? Or what are people going to think if I'm here? Who cares? Yeah. If you're doing better. <laughs> yeah. How would you say that can come through with this event, Memoirs of Jazz in the Alley? Um, well, the best way I can say that is um, there's a quote from the late Muhar Richard Abrams. Um, he always said, if you take care of the music, the music will take care of you. And in that same way, if you take care of the dance, the dance will take care of you. Hmm. All these things are going to feed and reconnect. And if it doesn't touch everybody, you need one spark to start a fire. Isaiah Collier is a Chicago-based saxophonist, composer, and creator of the jazz quartet, The Chosen Few. Isaiah, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And Kia Smith is the founder and executive artistic director of the South Chicago Dance Theater. Kia, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You can catch Isaiah and Kia's work in Memoirs of Jazz in the Alley. It's one night only at Chicago's Auditorium Theater this Saturday, June 10th. For tickets, go to auditoriumtheater.org, and that's theater ending in an R-E. And that's it for today. Thanks to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Cleve for editing this show. Haley Bloomquist was the engineer for this episode and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The music you've been hearing during this episode is by Isaiah Collier and The Chosen Few. It's a piece called Dorian's. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.